I want to continue tonight by looking at fathering nations. Now, why am I talking about fathering nations? What does it even mean? Well, fathering fathers in Scripture doesn't just mean you're going to have kids as a man. It's not just talking about natural fatherhood, although elements of natural fatherhood and motherhood come into this. But it's talking about being a father to your nation, a father to your community. And father in Scripture is a metaphor for maturity. Or mother is a metaphor for maturity. And it's not just the ability to sire children. You have to raise children. You have to raise sons if you're a father. And you don't raise sons to be good children. You raise sons to be good fathers. So this whole business of discipleship is fathers raising fathers in the earth. Jesus came to show us the father. Okay, and he said to Philip, have you not worked it out yet? If you've seen me, you've seen the father. And people ought to see that and say that about you and I. And if they don't, it's, it's on you. It's not on God. So when you bring your baggage, when you bring your excuses, and we all have them, oh Lord, I'd love to be more like you, but, you know, and you know that this has went on in my life and this is going on in my life. The, the standard doesn't drop because you and I have issues. Be ye therefore perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. It's still the standard. And what he's saying is be like the Father. We talk a lot about being Christ-like, but Jesus, his mission, his vision, his entire uh, raison d'etre in a lot of ways was to be like the Father. So we're talking about being fathers, okay, or being like him. As he is, so are we in this cosmos, it says in the Greek. So those of you who like Star Trek and want to go to the, all the edge of the universe, you have permission within Scripture, Amen. If you can get a craft, if you can buddy up to Elon Musk, um, but if he asks you to sign a covenant, satanic covenant with death, I wouldn't bother. Amen. Praise the Lord. Knowing your father is what we're looking at tonight. Okay? And it, it ties in with what God is saying to us uh, through Cam's podcast of late and through different things. And if you've been going on the WhatsApp group and seen these messages uh, about aligning and alignment and saying oh not again not another message on alignment let me tell you this it's not us it's the holy spirit is saying 2022 is the year for you to decide at the outset you're going to be in right alignment with me okay so let's turn to 2 corinthians chapter 6 i'm going to veer off my notes a wee bit tonight because this is a, a verse i saw karen quoting this and the Lord keeps speaking this to me in my spirit, man. So we're going to look at it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 now. Um, we'll read in here a little bit. And I want to say this to you that we're not just talking here in this message tonight about the distinction or the separation between unsaved and saved. Although this references it I do believe there's a deeper meaning, and I, I can explain that to you as we read it. Let's just read from verse, um, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Okay, don't be in harness with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness, and what communion hath light with darkness? Now, folks, teachers have 
over the years used this to say don't get married to an unbeliever and I think there's warrant for that interpretation yeah because you're asking for a world of hurt when you do that and we know people have done it and we know people have defied God and done it and we know people have said oh but I just feel that when I get them say uh, get married I'll get them saved so that's a whole different sermon though I won't go there okay um but he says, well, if you're saved and they're not, don't, don't marry them. So that's the interpretation. But it's, it's just one interpretation. And a lot of people say, well, that means you don't get into business as a, as a believer with an unbeliever. And again, I would say that's a valid interpretation, yeah? But define unbeliever. Now, I know on the surface you would say an unbeliever is somebody that's not saved. Someone that doesn't know the Lord. Someone that doesn't have the Holy Ghost living in them like you and I have the Holy Ghost living in us. Okay, but I think in 2022, it means even more than that. Because an unbeliever is somebody who doesn't believe. And if your faith is in something other than God and his word, you're not a believer. And if your faith, which is really fear, causes you to do something that alters your DNA, and changes you at a fundamental level and by doing so you bow the knee to Baal, take the mark of the beast and I'm using that as a metaphoric statement rather than a literal statement if you are someone who says I put my trust in science in Fauci in Whitty and all these characters and Boris but I'm a Christian and uh, you know, I love the Lord and I believe in God and I believe in his word but I'm just going to make sure that I, I put it to you those folks are unbelievers yeah. Amen. that's harsh oh that's harsh well you know I've still got a long way to go before I match Jesus you brood of vipers you whitewashed sepulchres amen, amen. you bunch of snakes I've not, I've not called anybody that, but the night is young. But thank God, I don't mean you guys. I don't mean you guys, I mean, maybe I'll go to another meeting after this one, you understand anyway. But it says here, don't be unequally. And what concord, what, what do you have in common? Does Christ have with Belial? Now there's a whole bunch of teaching on Belial that we could do. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? And what agreement has, this is where we're getting into it, folks. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? Now, you know the, the biggest problem, I'll tell you the biggest problem with the whole COVID thing right now. The biggest problem with the whole COVID thing right now, and why so many Christians just rolled their sleeve up without thinking, is because they don't know their body's a temple. And that, that's it. That's it right there. If you, if, if, if somebody came in here right now and started daubing all the walls uh, with paint or you know, doing something horrible, throwing rubbish or excrement all over those, you and I would jump up and stop them because this building is dedicated to God. And if they did it in your living room, you wouldn't like it, would you? But if somebody puts poison in your body and you roll up your sleeve for them to do it, I'm sorry, folks, you don't know your body's a temple. What agreement has the temple of God with idols? And that's the thing. I knew I'd forgotten something, and you should have corrected me. 
at the meeting the other night, the other day, sorry, uh, Karen had uh, spoke about a healing centre, a vision she had about a healing centre uh, decades ago, um, and she believed that the Lord had shown her the other day that, that this is the place she saw in her vision. And it's all part of what the Lord has shown us at this moment in time, is that there's coming wave after wave of healing glory in the earth. Because we've had the, the death cult of the NHS, we've had the, the doom-laden message of death with COVID and Omicron and all the, the variants, and, you know, I don't know what they're going to do when they run out of Greek, the Greek alphabet. But now God's going to step in and get his response. Because all that other stuff is a counterfeit to what God's going to do. Now, I've, I've seen this in vision many times. Remember the day I stepped out of the hospital over in Govan, and that's what the Lord said to me, clear as anything. He said, you're going to close this place down. He wasn't talking to me personally, although I, I, I want to be part of it. He meant the body of Christ. He meant the remnant. He meant those who know who they are in Christ. And you why would you close hospitals down? Because the NHS is a death cult for one. Oh, but doctors do good work. Some do. Some do. We know, we know medical staff that we would say, praise God for them. But folks, pharmacia. The Bible speaks about pharmacia. We're not going to get into all that tonight. Love to, but let's stay with our message. But your body is a temple. And let me just say this. What you do with your temple is vital. Amen. And that's why I believe those that know their body is a temple are going to be part of the greatest healing move of God. And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, take all the healing moves of God in the past and call them a bucket. And what's coming is going to be a Pacific Ocean compared to that. I believe that. People are going to... When we come to our meetings, there's going to be cues. David's seen it in vision. And it's going to be people coming, not just to hear the word. I mean, my preaching's wonderful, but I don't know that it's that wonderful. Well, it is. But, but they're not coming for that. They're coming to be healed. They're coming to be set free. Amen. They're coming because the power of God is here. And I believe they will see it physically in the building and they'll come. Okay, because uh, God is raising up healing centers in the earth, I believe, of divine healing. So it's not the NHS, it's the HHS, the heavenly health service. Folks, it's coming. Just like uh, God is having his own economy in the earth, well, an economy of kingdom wealth, you will need to take, that's the good news is, you will need to take the mark of the beast. Because you'll have all the real wealth, the true gold, the true silver. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And it has to be where it belongs, in the temple. So, not only will there be a kingdom wealth economy, there'll be a Holy Ghost health uh, system. Praise the Lord. And, and another thing the Lord said to me was this, he says, doctors will come and look at Holy Ghost technicians, which is you guys, folks. And say, how do you actually heal people without chemicals, without cutting them open, without all of that? And, and really, most of the time, telling folks, sorry, it's bad news. Yeah? So they will retrain and retool. Where will they do it? Sitting here. 
So, so how do you actually heal someone? Well, put your hand there, say these words, get that healing oil out. And, and we've, we've been buying up healing oil, haven't we? We've been buying up the wee vials of oil that Verity uh, is speaking about because the Lord says, get ready. And we're going to read them. So, if you don't want mess on your dress, ladies, okay, bring a wee hanky, because when you get prayed for with healing, there may be a wee bit of oil spills on you. Remember the, the high priest, he didn't put a wee dab of oil in his head, they poured the whole jungle over him till it went down. His garments, well, folks, these are nice carpets, we won't be doing that. <laughs> Unless you put sheets down. But folks, it's coming. The healing oil, the healing power, the healing glory. This is how Lord said it to me. It's healing glory. It's not just gifts of healing. It's not just anoint, anointing to heal or healing ministry. I've seen them. I've seen, I've seen, listen, I've seen ministries that would blow your mind. I've seen Benny Hill not over hundreds of folks be blown. And other folks. And my uncle was one of them who rose up, well, who was there, and in it all, he was actually in a wheelchair, he got healed. From terminal illness. So we've seen it all. But folks, we ain't seen nothing yet. Al Jolson is in the house. You ain't seen nothing yet. And it says here, watch this, what agreement is a temple of God by yours? You are the temple of the living God. You see, what, what needs to happen in the earth is that folks need to see the temple of God is in the earth and it ain't a building. And They're not going to build another one in Jerusalem and even if they do, it means nothing. You are the temple of the living God, not a dead God, the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk in them and I will be their God, they shall be my people. And these are the words the Lord said to me. And, and it's not about unsaved folks. It's not about unsaved folks. I'm not saying there isn't an application because, you know, you, you know, rather than going clubbing tonight after the meeting, the Lord says, don't do that. Come out from among them, okay? Uh, you ought not need that exhortation. I don't even know if there's clubs open. Long time since I went clubbing. Amen. <laughs> what are you laughing at? Come out from among them. That's the message. That's the message to remnant saints. And he's not saying, get your Amish clothes on and shun everybody. He's not saying that. He's not saying be religious about it. And, you know, he's not saying that. But he's saying, understand that you are separate. Come out from among them and be ye separate. What does he mean? Be holy. What does holy mean? Set apart. Know that that's what you're there for, to be set apart. Okay? And I'll, be, I'll, I'll put it bluntly. Don't sit under vaccinated pastors and leaders and align yourself with them. It's hard to avoid, you know, stuff like that. But as much as you can, folks, that's what he's saying, okay? He's not saying if you bump into your friend you've known for 30 years, a brother or sister in Christ who, who's double-jabbed and boosted and all that, that you, you, that you shun them or that you jump into the next style. Well, if you can jump into the next style, maybe. He's saying, come out from among Don't allow, don't align with them and don't be covered by them. 
Okay? Now, that's harsh. Well, you know, what did Jesus say? He said about the Pharisees. He says, don't want to follow those guys. Now, you might say, ah, well, that's right, the Pharisees. But when you, if you said that in Jesus' day, and the people would just be like, you're being divisive. Jesus. He said, well, I came for that purpose. I came to bring a sword. I came to set a, a man against the members of his own household. A father, a son against his father. Some of us have experienced that when we, you know, when we try to Bible thump our parents when we first get saved. Amen? With that enthusiasm. And you thought, well, they, they surely will hear what, you know, they'll be glad it happened to me, so I'll just tell them all about it and they need to come to church. And how did that go? Amen? So we understood a little bit of it in scenarios like that. But folks, it, it's coming to the door now. There's no avoiding this. Okay? You've got to say this. Okay, sadness. The Lord is, I have been preaching this for years. The Lord is saying, leave sadness and transition into Philadelphia. But you know, I preached that for years and people would look at me like, what's he talking about? Some understood it. But folks, that isn't the message anymore. The message is, sadness is over. You're either in Philadelphia or you're actually end up in Laodicea. You are the temple of God. I will dwell in them. Come out from among them. Be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. Now, let me just say this to you. What's he talking about the unclean thing? Well, I put it to you, the unclean thing is the, the dreaded V word. Yeah? But you know, there's folks who'll tell you tonight, you want to worship here, you'll take that vaccine, you'll wear that mask, or you will get the door. Amen? We just joined this week. Uh, a group on, 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 uh, online of awake churches who will not make that distinction, not distinguish between vaxxed and unvaxxed. In other words, we won't turn away unvaccinated people. And if we're being honest, we wouldn't turn away vaccinated people. Okay? But we are a church for the, the, the unvaccinated. Make no mistake about that. And don't apologise for that. Because some of these folks, some of you folks, have nowhere else to go. That's just the facts. And watch this. This is where this, this melds with what I was going to be speaking about anyway. We'll just get into that in the last wee bit. And will be a father unto you. And will be a father unto you. And you shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. What he's saying here is this, is that to know God as Father, you have to come out and be separate. And I want to say this to you. Knowing God as Father, walking in that revelation of him as Father, and being fathers yourself to nations, communities, and other people that need fathers, you have to come out and be separate. It's a remnant thing. Okay? It's a holiness thing. You know, all the things that we used to speak about, or oh, uh, holiness and so on, all these things find their fulfillment and their fullness in being remnant folks. Amen? Uh, so it's just that simple. I will be a father to you, you shall be my sons and daughters. So knowing your father, Jesus said, 
to a certain group of people. Now, again, if you think, oh, that's harsh preaching. Look what Jesus said to a bunch of folks. You're of your father, the devil. Imagine saying that to people that came in. You're you're of your father, the devil. Now, that's not going to make you a popular pastor, is it? Yeah, yeah. And that's that's not that's the very definition of not seeker sensitive. Yeah, you uh, you over there, you you bunch in the corner. You're of your father the devil, and the loss of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. And that's who you that's who you're aligned with. Well, we're not, we're not going to be that harsh tonight, are we? Especially not with you folks in here. But, that's, but you know, talking about speaking the truth in love. This was love himself speaking that very truth. And why did you say you're of your father the devil? And why is it so important for us to be like our heavenly father? And why is it so important to know God as father... Here's why, because fathers reproduce nature and character. You can't escape your, your, your parentage. You know, we visited my auntie yesterday, and I don't see my auntie very often, speak to them on Facebook occasionally. But you know, when you get back among family, if you, even if you've not seen them for years, there's that familiarity, isn't there? Because they're family. Because you share their DNA, you share their... Their, um, their, their lineage, their bloodline, all of that in the natural. Because fathers reproduce nature and character. Jesus told these folks in this passage here, this verse, that they were of their father, the devil, because he saw the traits and the nature and the character of their father in them. By their fruits you shall know them. And, and what that really means is when, when somebody's doing stuff, and presenting or representing their father, then that tells you what they came from. That tells you their DNA. And that's why I believe that a lot of this stuff that's going on just now with uh, the vaccine and so on, they want to alter our DNA because our DNA is Yahweh DNA. But they want to change it so much that when God looks upon our DNA... He doesn't recognize himself. That was a mind blower for me. That's when the penny dropped for me when I, when I realized the whole, the whole agenda, uh, the transhuman agenda, the enhanced human, all that stuff was to change our DNA so that we would no longer be godlike. And that's the very thing the serpent came into the, the, the garden to do. You want to be like God? I'll show you how to be like God. And the very opposite happened because he's a liar. And people who lie show what they came from. Father God is love. Our God is love. We expect then to see love in his children. And love isn't mush. Let me say that. Love isn't mush or being sentimental or let's not be divisive, let's be lovely to everyone, be nice. You know, there are two things that I say that just kick devils off all the time, trigger them. And I love doing it. And, you know, maybe I shouldn't. I did it the other night in a meeting, uh, and I said this, and I, I say it quite a bit. Poverty devils hang out with religious devils, 
and a guy started manifesting big time correct, I mean screaming. Had to actually throw him at the meeting. Well, fat, uh, poverty devils run with religious devils. Okay, and, and that always triggers people. And the other thing that really triggers people is when you say there is no anointing to be nice. You're not anointed to be nice. Or smarmy or... Let's love everybody. Amen. That's not love. That's niceness. The Holy Ghost is not nice. Jesus isn't nice. The Father isn't nice. He's love. And love will not leave you in the state it found you. But nice will. You need to be nice to those folks. Let's not upset them. Let's not offend them. No, let's upset them. Let's offend them. Because they won't change unless you do. Well, I'll tell you right now, I didn't change until somebody upset me. I remember being in a meeting once, I'll never forget it, and I was raging, spitting, I was triggered. And I remember uh, as a mentor of mine, and he was talking, he'd been reading books on deliverance, and he, he flowed in deliverance, but he was sharing these books with us, and he was talking about the spirit of rejection. And I think he was triggering people. I think he was doing what I do, which is a wee bit naughty. And he said, and I said to him, I said, oh, I, I identify with that. Oh, yes. I said, I feel rejected. I, I've got real feelings of rejection. He went, all right, we can minister, we can pray. I, I, I said, well, great, let's do this. And he said, right, okay, he says, so repent then. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> he says, Tell the Lord, just you repent. You repent of feeling rejected. You repent of rejection. I'm like, no, no, hold on. You've got this wrong. I'm the one that's been rejected. Yeah? He says, yeah, that, that's why you need to repent. Because you feel rejected. I said, well, but don't, you're not getting this. So I'm arguing with the guy because I've, I'm, I'm the victim here. I'm the victim. I'm the one that's been rejected. Triggered. Yeah? Until I was, and of course I go away, and I'm like, but when you begin to look at it, he's right. And to this, and this day, every time I think about that, I see more and more, he's right. He was right. Because he said, he told me, he says, what does the Bible say? And that's what it all, that's, where, that's all that matters. What does God's word say? You are accepted in the beloved. So when you allow feelings of rejection to trump the truth of God's word, you do need to repent. And he said, that's the first step. Then we can deal with if it's demonic, all that stuff probably was uh, at the time. I mean, I was going to I'm so rejected. But you know that way, I think I just wanted to, oh yes, I'll get prayer for that. But until I was upset and offended, Till that happened, I wasn't ready to be set free. So folks, sometimes we do need to upset folks. Sometimes we do need to offend people. And we go about, when I say that, I don't mean we go out a way to be offensive. But sometimes we, we have to understand that setting people free involves them being offended. And if they have to go away for a wee while and come back, well, that's, that's part and parcel, but hopefully they can get over it. Every 
Father God is love. We expect to see love in his children. However, you can tell the children of the devil because they're full of lusts. Now, let me not say, I'm not saying that to condemn people if you're struggling with, you know, lusts. And I don't, it's not always sexual lusts, I understand. We're talking about, you know, you might have a lust for an extra couple of portions of pie. Or, do you know what I mean? Or you might be, and, and one of the things about Facebook and social media is it shows people's lusts. And I'll tell you, the strongest lust I've encountered on Facebook is the lust to get the last word. Or the lust to be proven right. Yeah? You know, all these people, in, and they come across so holy, so, so, you know, I'm so spiritual. And I want to correct you. You know, you've got that partly right, but let me tell you, because that's one of the strongest lusts of all. Self-righteousness. The lust to be proven right or to be shown to be spiritual. So, every child of Satan is animated by the love of money. Okay? Why this? Because the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. So if we take God at his word, that means anything that's going on that's evil, that's not right, that's wicked, that's evil, iniquitous, sin, then somewhere the love of money is working. And the love of money is a synonym for fear. Jesus says you can't serve God and mammon, and then spoke about fear of lack. So mammon is served by, by fear of lack. Okay? So that you can spot things when you know who the Father is. I just read, I didn't read the article, I saw the headlines in a paper just today that a, a couple, <laughs> a man and a woman, for some reason had sent away DNA tests, I think for their children, whatever, I think they were doing these ancestry things and found out that they had the same DNA. So you see, DNA doesn't lie. It tells you who your father is. And when we, you see people who's a child of Satan, or acting like one, mammon is their father. Now you might be concerned about your income, you might be concerned about losing your job and all these things. That's not the same as serving mammon. That's just natural things. But when you allow that to dominate you to the point, I, I remember uh, a particular pastor, I won't mention his name, some of you know him, and this guy, loathes the prosperity message detests and detests me because I preach kingdom wealth. Am I right? And just, oh, that's not of God and so on. The same guy who's selling used cars on the side and when someone didn't buy one from him, burnt the car that they bought out. Folks, that's serving mammon. Amen? But this guy would preach a thousand sermons on why we shouldn't serve mammon, but he's serving mammon. Fathers impart nature and character. This is why we must be born again. You see, how does it all start then? How do I become a Christian? Do I follow Jesus? Do I, do I, do I read the Beatitudes? Do I, what about the Ten Commandments? What do you have to do to follow Jesus? Well, you have to change your father. You have to change your nature, and to do that, you must be born again. You come to Jesus and say, so what do I do? Give, give me something to do. And he says, you must be born again. Yeah? Because you need to change who your father is 
That's the first step. And in a sense, in a sense, it's the only step, if you understand. Because if you follow your new nature, your new spiritual DNA, your new bloodline, then you'll be be just like your father who's in heaven. We complicate it, don't we? Well, if I read 15 chapters a day, what happens if I read 30? What happens if instead of praying 15 minutes, I pray 30? Will I be like Smith Wigglesworth? No, you won't. You may end up being more religious than you are right now. If you think doing all that stuff is what makes you like him. But but here's the clue, and Smith Wigglesworth understood this, is that in the kingdom everything's 180 degrees. So in the natural, if you're hungry, you eat. Okay? And when you eat, you're full. But in the kingdom, the more you eat, the more hungry you are. So you'll want to spend more time. But if you follow that new nature, that new creation nature in you, not if you, you turn it into a religious program and buy these wee Bible reading plans, and then a couple of days when you've been busy and you've missed your five chapters a day, you start to get all guilty and, oh, I need to catch up, and then time goes, and then you feel guilty, and you're repenting for not following a Bible reading plan. If it was all about Bible reading plans, listen, I visited my auntie and uncle yesterday, and my uncle's not saved. But for years and years and years, I don't know if he still does, but I know he read the Bible every day. And we know people who do. Okay, but they're not, that, that bench is, is more saved than they are, because that bench has had more revelation, had more revelation than they have. Let's get real, folks. Knowing your father is the key to the Christian life. We must be born again. Your father is your destiny. Your father is your destiny. Now, we're not talking about in the natural, okay? Unless your name is Rockefeller, or Rothschild, or Windsor, or, you know, you really don't have an option to opt out, unless you're Prince Harry, or whatever, okay? But your father is your destiny. For this reason, Jesus taught us to pray, our father, because you become who your father is. You're supposed to. Amen? Now, of course, fathers mess up. Fathers can be evil. We looked at that in these messages. Fathers can end up not being great examples. And God never says, never commands us to love our father and mother or respect our father and mother. He commands us to honour them. Because not all fathers deserve love and and not all deserve respect. Okay? But we honour how we came into the earth, even through the, the worst possible vessel. And the reason, there's a reason we do that, we'll get into that. John tells us that fathers, this is John, the um, Apostle John, that fathers, i.e. mature believers, know him who is from the beginning. See, when John speaks about children and, and young men or adolescents and fathers, He's talking about stages of spiritual growth or maturity. And he says that fathers, when you're mature, you know him who is from the beginning. And we begin with the father and we end with fathers, the company of mature believers. In other words, and I wouldn't bring us to an end soon, you start off as a baby Christian father, Abba Father. The spirit cries out with the, and God is my father. That's so exciting, isn't it? Remember those days? 
We still ought to have that excitement. Oh, God is my Father. And that's, that's a great beginning point. And that, that is the beginning point. And of course, that, even in the Hebrew, the, the, the name Abba, you know, it's, it's right at the beginning of the alphabet, the Hebrew. But he says, but it ends up with you and I being fathers. Just like when you, you're born as a son or a daughter, but I'm, I'm just I'm talking about fathers here, I'm talking about maturity. When you're born, you're born a wee baby, you can do nothing for yourself, you're totally dependent, but as you grow and learn to walk and learn to pee in the toilet and all that type of thing, you, you learn stuff until you can stand on your own two feet and then all of that, and you go through a process of maturity until you yourself becomes a day where you yourself have children. And that's the process, and it's the same in the spiritual walk and life with God. We start off as babes in Christ, but we shouldn't stay there. We shouldn't be immature all our Christian lives, or, or all of our natural lives. We need to grow and mature so that God says, you know what, you're mature now. You ought to be leading a bunch of folks and teaching them stuff. And, and, and Paul says that, I believe it was Paul wrote Hebrews. The theologians can argue later. He says, you, you, you need to go back to drinking milk. At this time, you ought to be teaching others. But he says you need to go back to sucking milk out of a bottle because you've chosen to stay in a state of immaturity. But God said, no, you'll know me as father. And now ought to start the process where you become one. Why? Because fathers want to reproduce themselves in their children. The heavenly father's no different. The beginning and the end meet and are the same teleos point, and this is the eternal realm. Um, when it says that we're, the word perfect in Scripture talks about being made perfect, it doesn't mean totally sinless and will never mess up again. It means fully mature, fully developed, fully grown. So the teleos point for all of us as believers is to be fathers or mothers in the faith so that God can trust us to pastor, shepherd, father, mother, whatever, other people. Does that make sense? And I, and I want to say this to you. So why, why are we hearing this? Because there is no room for immaturity in the remnant. We don't have time to drag a whole bunch of babies along. Who want to stay babies. And you still want to wear their diapers. Because we know what diapers are full of. Amen. And a lot, a lot of people want their lives to be full of poo, don't they? Rather than manning up, or as Hannah once said to her sister, women up, women up, manning up, being mature. You know, and some folks don't like, oh, I, 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 you know, I, I, I just, I like to think of myself as a wee baby bouncing on father's knee. Well, come on, folks. Would you do that in your natural father's knee? Be a wee bit weird. Amen. So, and we're going to close here with this. Jesus instructed us to be like our father, which means you have to know him to be like him. In the beginning, or in the knowing is the doing. Am I right? In the knowing is the doing. You know, how many times have we seen it? 
that people uh, are doing stuff or saying things, particularly in families, and they'll say, oh, you're just like your dad when you say that. Or you remind me of your mother. Because that you emulate, don't you? And we are meant to be, as he is, so are we. His nature, his character, his personality, his attributes, his traits, they should be seen in us. Because he's our father. As he reveals himself to you, you become conformed to him and represent who he is to the world. And again, people say, oh, I want to be like Jesus. Well, Jesus said, he came, he said, I didn't come to show you myself. I came to show you the father. The father must permeate. And just as he permeated the very life of Jesus, he's to permeate our lives. I'm going to leave it there, folks. Um, we're plowing through, uh, but we're, we're not... We're, if you saw the notes to this, we've hardly moved at all, but praise the Lord. But it's so vital a subject. But what I just want to say before we close is this. Like we, we saw with um, the verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, be separate, come out from among them. In other words, be a remnant people. And then he says, then I'll be a father to you. So if we really want to know him as father, if we really want to know him in that capacity and be like him, we have to commit to being remnant saints. Amen? We have to say, and that, again, that's all about, and I'd like to cover more about it, who we align with, who we associate with, so vital. And please come on Wednesday, 12.30, because I know Karen is covering that subject. Am I right, Karen? Yeah? Uh, even more. He said, well, we've heard it, we've heard it. Well, when, it, when the penny drops and it says, oh, now I know, in my, in my knower, in my revelation, uh, you know, I know it by revelation now. And I believe until a lot of us get that, the Lord will keep emphasising us. But it's a vital, vital truth, isn't it? Who you align with, who you associate with, determines your destiny. And the scripture is full of it, folks. If you align and associate with a companion of fools will be destroyed. Oh, wow. Amen. Amen. Think about that. Okay, look, folks, praise the Lord, and we'll leave it there.